Would you join me for a moment of prayer? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations and thoughts of all of our hearts, Lord, and may they be found acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So a few weeks ago, after the light parade downtown, I found myself walking home in the dark with my two youngest children. Aaron and I had gone our separate ways as she went to uh, collect our oldest from the end of the parade route. I had the pleasure, the distinct pleasure, of wheelbarrowing or, or, or wagoning my two youngest children who were overly tired home after the events. Those of you who were there know how nice of an evening it was. Only two weeks ago, it was in the 60s, and it was beautiful out. It was an amazing night and a, and a beautiful evening. As we walked away from downtown, the sidewalk became dark as, as we got away from all the streetlights, which is not a problem for me because I'd walked that path many times before. And, but I heard my four-year-old in the wagon behind me softly say, Daddy, I'm scared. Turns out he was scared of the dark and of the monsters that hide in the dark. Now, now, many of you good parents would have been prepared and would have brought a flashlight because you knew that the light parade ended after dark and you would have been smart enough to be prepared for this occurrence. I was not. I was not prepared at all. So pulling my scared little children behind me in a wagon down a dark sidewalk, I say, buddy, there's nothing there in the dark that isn't there in the light. I heard it in a movie once. Now, in my mind, those words were meant to bring comfort to my four-year-old, but to my surprise, they did not. Instead of, instead of being comforting for him, more fear enveloped my four-year-old as he had a revelation. You see, my thought process was that, that if there's nothing there in the daylight, because we walked in the daylight on the way there, that there's nothing there in the nighttime, but my four-year-old's revelation was a little different because he realized that if something there is there in the dark, it's there in the light. The fear that enveloped him was the monsters that he imagined hiding behind the trees actually are there during the daylight as well. Not what I intended at all. It's not that I was wrong. And it's not that he was wrong. Actually, as I reflected on the situation, I realized that we were both right. If something exists in the light, it also exists in the darkness. And equally so, if something exists in the darkness, it also exists in the light. And a profound reality dawned on me in that moment. That it's here, amidst the light and the darkness that our struggle begins with Christ's light in our lives. Yes, you heard me correctly. Our struggle with Christ's light in our lives. Advent and Christmas, the coming of Christ into the world, presents us with a situation that we're often unprepared for. Now, I'm not speaking of pageants and trees and lights and presents and family gatherings, albeit I'm not prepared for those exactly this year either. But what I'm speaking of is Christ's light coming into the world. Because 
Christ's light coming into the world means the coming of Christ's light into our lives, which illuminates that which is hid in the darkness. My four-year-old had had understood the monsters that lurk in the darkness are still there in the light, but equally so, that which we are in the light, we take with us into the darkness. You see, the coming of Christ's light into our lives exposes that which we hide in the darkness as it illuminates our being. And when that happens, we mirror or reflect Christ's light into our world. But in order to get to here, we have to go back to the beginning. For it's here at the beginning of all creation that we set the stage for Christmas. Today we're going to start our journey in the beginning of John, John 1, 1. John's gospel starts at a different place than Matthew and Luke. You see, Matthew and Luke's gospels, they, they piece together this nativity story that we're so used to, but John's gospel starts somewhere else. He doesn't start with donkeys and journeys and mangers. John's gospel starts at the beginning of reality as we know it. And he begins with these words. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. And this life brought light to everything. Everyone. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. In the beginning was the word, the logos, Jesus. And Jesus gave life to everything, and that life was light for the world. The light of Christ shines into the darkness and like a flashlight. And where light is, darkness cannot be because darkness cannot overtake the light. It's the light that overtakes the darkness. And it's the same in our lives. You see, the gospel, the author of John understood that Christ's coming into our world changes things. It changes things. We heard last week how, how Isaiah and his, the prophecy that the people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. The coming of Christ means the coming of light into the darkness of our world and life. And when light is introduced to darkness, all is exposed. What is there in the darkness that isn't there in the light? Jesus' light exposes our lives. And there is a fear. There is a fear just below the surface in so many of our lives. What if they really knew me? What if they knew my past? What if they knew what I was really like? Skeletons in the closet. Skeletons of the past. Things left best in the dark closet down the hall, never to be opened when company comes to the house. The baggage of life that we carry, hidden in the darkness. Some, some pieces of baggage are, you know, just history, events and traumas that we've experienced. Other things that we keep hidden are sins, evil thoughts, poor behaviors and choices. Jesus said in John three nineteen and 20, God's light came into the world. But people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, 
for fear their sins will be exposed. What will the light show if we stand in the light? This is a fear we experience. Will it show our failures? Will it show our weaknesses? Like my son's fear of the dark, of the monsters that he imagined lingering in the darkness, just out of sight. My, my words, buddy, there's nothing there in the dark that isn't there in the light. Only serve to fuel the fear. Light means illuminating the monsters. My four-year-old's fear is similar to our own. We say better to keep it hidden. Keep the past in the past. Pretend like it doesn't exist. Tuck it away in the darkness. Keep moving forward regardless of what's holding you back. But the light gives us options. I want you to imagine with me for a moment, if you will. Imagine the, the main gathering space in your home. Whether it's the living room, the entryway, the place where you entertain people when they come over to the house unannounced. Now imagine that room and all of your kids, grandkids, neighborhood kids, school, class, any big group of kids came over to your house to play for 12 hours and left. And you are too tired to clean up and so you go to bed. Are you with me? Three o'clock rolls around and it's time to get up for some strange reason. And you find yourself having to walk through that room in complete darkness. Can you imagine trying to negotiate that room? Hitting your shins on the, on the coffee table and the furniture, the Lego block landmines scattered through the carpets. Some of you have experienced that. What if you turn on the light? How does it change? If you turn on the light, you have new options. You have new choices that you can make that you couldn't make in the darkness. You can navigate around the Legos. You can navigate around the furniture. You could even clean if you wanted to. You could rearrange the furniture. You could make a new path if the lights were on. You see, the great joy of Christmas is that Jesus' light came into our world and now lights our path. Jesus said it this way in John 8, 12. I am the light of the world if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. At Christmas, the light of our world came to us. God himself became human and lived among us. Not only did Jesus live with us, but he lives on still and will come back again at the end of time as we know it. Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth as light in our darkness, illuminating our lives. Here's the deal. Jesus' light is not passive. It's not passive. It's active and invokes a response from us. Indeed, Christ's light not only illuminates our path, but it causes a change in us. When Christ's light shines into our darkness, it affects us, and we have a choice to make. Are we going to remain in the darkness, or are we going to choose to move forward in the light that Jesus offers us, the way that Jesus leads us. Remember what he said, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Jesus said that he will not only illuminate our lives, but he actually calls us to follow him out of our darkness and into the light which he leads, says leads to life. 
In John 12, 46, he says it this way. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. The advent of Christ, the coming of Christ into our world offers us more than a flashlight as we travel down the dark sidewalk on the way home pulling our kids. The coming of Christ into our life offers us a new journey, a new destination, a new companion in life. It's as though Jesus is saying to us, come, let me shine into your life and I'll show you what it means to truly live. And to top it all off, I'm going to go with you and I'm going to lead you on the way that you should go. And your past, your past is forgiven. All that's left for us is right now and our future together. And that's an amazing conversation. But here's the catch. You must choose to follow. You must choose to follow. Placing your trust in Christ. And that, friends, is the stumbling block of our faith. That is the stumbling block. This is where we struggle with Christ's light in our lives. Because it's one thing to turn on the light, to illuminate our path. It's another thing entirely to choose to trust and follow Jesus out of the darkness in our lives. The question that each of us must reconcile is what do we do with Christ's light in our lives? And this is not a one-time question of salvation by faith, through, by grace through faith. It is a reoccurring question we are asked as God continues to work in our lives and light up the darkness we cling to. The first time we choose to trust Christ is an important part of our faith life. It is important, but it is not the end. Understand that we must also choose to trust and follow daily in our lives. In Luke 9, Jesus says, If any of you wants to be my followers... If any of you want to be my followers, you must give up your own way and take up your, your cross when? Daily. Daily. And follow me. I think Jesus is pretty clear. It's not a one-step, one-time, one-and-done kind of thing. Jesus himself said that if we are going, we must choose daily if we're going to follow or not. We must choose daily to walk in the light or not. We must choose daily the path that we're going to take. And honestly, that choice is hard. If we were honest, and we are all honest people here, if we are honest, choosing Christ's path is not the easy way, is it? It's not. Because Christ's path calls us to some certain things. Christ's way requires submission. And that's a word we don't often like. It means mercy. We don't like mercy. People should get what they deserve. It's hard. It's grace. It's forgiveness. Not forgetfulness. I've forgotten what you did. But forgiveness for what has happened. It's compassion, love, and respect. It's integrity. It means doing what you're supposed to do, even though no one is watching you. It means living by God's ideals and not our own. But here's the good news. The more we center our lives on Christ, the more we trust in Christ, the more we act 
like Christ taught us to act, the more like Christ we become. And something amazing happens when we become more like Christ. Our lives change. Our priorities change. Our behaviors change. Our aspirations in life change. Instead of using, simply using the light to see, instead of using the light to see, we change. And we come, become reflectors of that light. Watch out, front row. And something amazing happens in this moment. We're not simply illuminated by Christ's light, but we begin to reflect it into the world around us. I was told I have to tip it up more. You don't want to be blinded by Christ's light. We become Jesus' light for the world to see. We are not the light. It is not us. Jesus, the Christ child, the hope of the world, is what we celebrate at Christmas It is a light that shines into our lives. And when we put our faith and our trust in Christ and we follow in his footsteps, we become mirrors of Christ's light in our lives and we reflect Christ's light and become reflectors of that light into the world around us. And the process continues as others experience and are challenged by that light. We become mirrors. And you may wonder, is it really that important to become a mirror? Does it really make a difference? And the truth is it makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference in in your life and in the world around you. First off, Jesus himself says that founding your life in him leads to the fullness of life that is found nowhere else. But it also plays a part in transforming the world. As you become Christ's light for the world around you, the world becomes illuminated by Christ's light. And for me, judging by the state of the world that I see, I believe the world could use a little bit more of Christ's light shined on it. On the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew records Jesus saying these words, You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. When Christ's light shines into our lives and we place our trust in him, we become mirrors of that light. It's impossible to contain the light that is reflected off a mirror. It cannot be hidden once the light is lit. And what is more amazing is what happens when we join together with others who've placed their trust in Christ and have chosen to follow his path because we become the church. I don't mean this building. I don't mean any building. I don't mean a name on the sign. I mean we become Christ's living light in the world to see. And let me explain why that is so important. Because many struggle to understand the reason why church is important anymore. Why do we need the church? What's its purpose in our current age? Why is it essential? 
and why being spiritual but not religious misses the mark every time. One life and one mirror in Christ is important. It is important. But the living body of Christ, the gathering of the mirrors, changes the world. The individual mirror makes an impact. But the body of Christ, the body of Christ, the disco ball, changes the world. This is the hope of the world. When we gather together, it changes the whole dynamic of our understanding of life together. The gathering of the mirrors reflects the light in the world that, in a way that this could never do. As the living body of Christ in the world, Christ's light shines in all areas, in all ways, in all different colors. It's not our light that shines, though. It's Christ's light that we reflect. And when it's reflected, we find hope, we find life, we find forgiveness, grace, mercy, compassion, purpose, and meaning. Life and life abundant. Hope for the world restored. And this is what we wait for. This is what we anticipate. It's not the church that we are preparing to celebrate next week, is it? No. It's not our life that we're ready to celebrate next week, is it? It's the light that comes into our world, into our darkness, that changes us and changes the world that we are preparing to celebrate. We prepare to celebrate the author of hope, the giver of joy, the bringer of peace, who came humbly as a baby boy, born into poverty in a barn filled with animals and filth to a teenage mother who could find no room in any respectable dwelling place. Not the entrance you'd expect from the Son of God, but exactly what we experience, exactly what we experience in our lives. For it is within the darkness of our lives that a light shines. Jesus' light shines, bringing hope, bringing hope to the broken world. Would you pray with me? Holy God, you sent your Son to us, bringing light into our darkness. Lord, today as we prepare our hearts and our homes to celebrate the coming of Christ's light into our world, we ask that you would illuminate our lives once again. Give us the courage to follow your Son who was sent to save. For the hope you bring, we give you thanks. Help us to never forget the reason for this Advent season, to encounter your light once more. It is through Christ that we pray. And everybody said,